Are you ready to bridge the gap in our current healthcare system and really help people that struggle with flexibility, mobility, and weakness? Hi, I'm Kim Narker, and welcome to Rehab to Wellness Boss Podcast, a business owner successful startup podcast where I help you start, build, and grow your wellness business. Join me as I reveal real secrets to helping rehab professionals build a successful, proven wellness program that keeps their community away from reactive care. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited to have you back on Rehab to Wellness Boss podcast. And today, joining me is Tony Meritado. I think something you don't know about us is Tony and I are just 20 minutes apart and didn't even know each other for many years. And Tony is a huge professional empowering our profession to really think outside the box at so many ways that we can treat and grow professionally. So Tony, I'll let you take it from here where you kind of give us a little bit of backstory on what you do and how you help other rehab professionals. Yeah. So my name is Tony Maritato. I'm a licensed physical therapist and private practice owner. I came into the Ohio market and I remember, cause Kim, I'm pretty sure you had stretch physical therapy when we came here in like 2006. I remember looking around and I swear I saw your signs somewhere like in the Westchester market, but I actually started my practice in Sarasota, Florida in 2001. I was not a physical therapist when I started the practice. I was a strength coach. I had a bachelor's degree in kinesiology and I was working for an outpatient hospital owned clinic. I was an exercise tech and personal trainer for them, worked with the therapist. And I realized like, I love physical therapy. I had never heard of it before. I never knew anything about it. I knew I didn't want to become an athletic trainer because of the extra time and the hours that they were working on the field. So when I first found out about physical therapy, I was like, this is amazing. I worked for a hospital for a year as a strength coach, personal trainer. I had my CSCS. And then I said, I can't stay in this organization. I want to make change. I want to improve things. And in a hospital structure, you just can't do that kind of stuff. So I saved my money. I rented a small 800 square foot space in the middle of Siesta Key, Siesta Village, right by the beach. And I hung a sign for Siesta Key personal training. And over the first year from 2001, I realized that all of my clients really needed physical therapy more than they needed personal training. So I found a physical therapist, a young female therapist I worked with in the hospital. She was the kind of therapist that would light up the room when she came in. Everybody laughed. Everybody had fun. I got her to come help me transition from personal training to physical therapy. She was a traveler. So she was planning on taking an assignment in Turkey. And I was like, give me three months, just let's get it off the ground. And then I'll find another therapist. Long story short, she's my wife. We have four beautiful boys at home. We grew the practice from that one 800 square foot space to five locations across two states. We got married. And now, you know, we continue to run two clinic locations. We sold one, we consolidated the other two. We went from a team of over 25 individuals down to a team of like five individuals. And I've kind of run the gamut. You know, I've been at it 21 years now. I've been fortunate to see lots of trends come and go, see lots of challenges. And one of my dreams was always 
to help other clinicians that are moving into private practice ownership, moving into business, really learn from the lessons and the mistakes that we made because we were like prehistoric. We had no cell phones. We had hardly any internet, you know, starting in 2001, like we were going across the street to send faxes from the UPS store because we didn't have a fax machine. Like that, that's where we were. So I'm so happy to be on your show and get to share my experiences with other clinicians. Yeah. So we're going to jump right in here, guys. So tell us a little bit about what you feel like the current struggles in our field are as far as rehab professionals are concerned. What are they facing? I think the biggest challenge now, obviously, there's lots of different settings. I'm going to speak specifically to outpatient and probably even more specific to outpatient ortho. But I think the biggest challenge is we're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. We're trying to look at businesses that were successful in the 1980s and use that same business structure, business model in 2022. We've got dramatically declined reimbursement. We've got increased regulation. We've got clinicians that are coming out with high student debt. We just can't make that work, you know? Now, it doesn't mean that we can't do the things that we do best. It means that we have to find a different vehicle. I'm not driving the same car today that I was driving in the 80s. We have to find a different vehicle to get us to our goals and get our patient to their goals within the resources we have available today, which are dramatic. There's lots of ways for us to achieve the goals that we want. Right, absolutely. And I think when we're talking about the PT and the orthopedic field, if you are a rehab professional and you're working for a hospital system or a big orthopedic clinic, then you're used to seeing more than one person an hour, except for COVID, of course. And you're used to having to not be able to really spend a lot of time with those. And perhaps the tech or the aid or the assistant is helping you with the treatment. So you really don't get that one-on-one care that you want to be able to provide to your customer. And the customers aren't getting the outcomes that they are personally looking for. So what are some things that therapists can look to do to be able to steer away from that model? Because if they go into that model and expect to open a private practice the way that you open the private practice. And even when I open mine, they're going to fail. It's no longer out there. The reimbursement isn't there. So just owning a PT private practice is not a legitimate goal. Right. I remember when I was first talking to a therapist, this would have been the year 2000. And I said, Hey, you know, Scott, how do I do this? I want to go into business for myself. And he was saying how he would work for a couple of years, build relationships with the referring providers, and then go open his practice. And he would recall 10, 15 years before that, where they were making $250, $300 a visit for e-stim and ultrasound and passive modalities. And you just stack, you know, six patients deep an hour, which again, none of that stuff is anything that we want to do, but it's also not anything that we even could do in this day and age. Right. I didn't have any student debt. I tell my people all the time, I'm like, look, guys, don't try to do what I did because when I graduated, I had no student loans. I already had my business up and running with three locations for multiple years. Like you have to understand the environment you're living in right now. And so I'm not against clinicians going to work for hospitals. I think there's great opportunity there. Hospitals have resources and other things that, you know, the right clinician thrives in that setting. 
I was never the right clinician for that setting. And most likely the people listening to this podcast are not going to be the right clinician for that setting. So what we need to do is forget the history, forget everything that we've heard, everything that we've seen, everything that's been done. Let's use our clinical brains. It's just like a new patient comes to you. You try to check your biases at the door and you say, okay, what is the situation I'm dealing with right now? What's the home environment? What's this patient's chief complaint? What do I believe this patient's actual goals are? And so when I look at somebody who says, I want to treat patients the way I believe patients should be treated, I want more money in my bank account at the end of the day, and I want to be able to do the things that you know I believe are best, the things that I enjoy, I want to help people. So we say, okay, well, let's build a business model that allows you to do those things. You know, and for some, it's going to be a combination of self-pay services, cash-based services that are not covered by insurance. I don't look at insurance as being a limiting factor. I look at it as an opening a gateway for us because the reality is the general public is still expecting physical therapy in quotes to be covered by insurance. The physical therapy that's covered by insurance is a very different experience than the physical therapy that you, Kim, and I, and anybody watching this actually delivers. So we let the insurance pay for what the insurance pays for. That actually opens the door to get that person into our ecosystem. And then we can say at the highest level of our profession, look, Mrs. Jones, based on our evaluation, based on everything that I've seen today and our conversation and what you've told me is really important to you. This is what I believe is going to get you to those goals. Now, the great news is this portion is covered by your insurance. This is what they're going to pay. The rest of it is, you know, up to you. If, if you want to get and achieve this outcome, this is going to be the cost. This is what we're going to do. This is the time frame, and you lay it all out. You know, and what I love about that is it truly empowers the patient to make the decision. If they want to buy a service like a stretch program, they can't. I'm not in a position where 20 years ago, I would say the insurance doesn't cover that and you don't even offer it. Now you have the open door to say, yeah, I do believe in this, or I do believe in that. And I want to include these things. Like I'm a huge nutrition fanatic. I think everybody needs to eat better. So I'm going to include nutrition as a component in my plan of care. If the patient doesn't want it, I'm not going to force them to take it, but that's going to be a self-pay non-covered service that I believe is vitally important to achieving the goal that the patient is telling me they want. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things. I think sky's the limit for what a therapist can offer now. And I think really understanding what a patient is looking for, you can pretty much develop whatever they are looking for a program that reaches those goals. That's the beauty here is that so many times I hear clinicians frustrated by the fact that insurance doesn't cover this or pay for that. And I'm like, but don't you realize that just opens up the door to allow you to offer those things and let the client choose if they want them or not. You know, there's plenty of people who make choices. I make choices every day that might not be in my own best interest, but it's my choice. If I choose to eat something that's not necessarily healthy, but I just want the endorphins of my brain to go off, I'm going to eat that, you know, piece of cake or cookie. It's my choice. And the same thing in terms of if I want to go and, you know, buy something to improve my running or buy something to enjoy my workouts, like we totally fitted our garage so that we don't go to the CrossFit gym anymore. We put all our money into our garage and we've got a great garage gym and I love it and it makes me feel good and it brings me, you know, joy and happiness 
clients should be empowered to make those choices. And the more we can help them make those decisions, I think obviously that's a huge business opportunity for us. We're the best positioned to help them make good choices. I agree. But I think in school, we're taught that we're supposed to direct their program. And I think we have to step back and realize, hey, the customer is looking for a solution. And to me, we're musculoskeletal specialists. I mean, if it falls within the human body and the musculoskeletal system, or it's affected that way, then you should be able to you know, break something down based on what their goals are, their personal goals, and put a program together. And the first thought should not be, how much is this going to cost them? The first thought should be, have I made this comprehensive enough to truly meet their goals? Because it's not our right to say you can or you can't afford something. Yeah, we tend to sell to our own wallets. You know, we sell to our own biases. Well, I wouldn't buy that. But I always go back to, I'm like, look, any human being can go outside and walk. But yet there's thousands of people buying $3,000 treadmills because it makes the experience more enjoyable for them. And there's many of those people who will never step foot on the treadmill after they purchase it. They got the joy of buying it and the excitement of thinking about what it's going to be like when they're running a 10K, even if they never used the piece of machinery, but it's their choice. You know, and so if we can help facilitate better choices, if we can help provide them with the options they have, we always talk about empowering the patient. And I think that's what that comes into. I think this is a great segue into accountability. Sure. We need to be more accountable for what our clients need to do and help them achieve their goals. I think getting out of that thought system that we have when we're treating therapists and just dictating what they're going to do and going, they're non-compliant. Oh, it's going to hurt you. No pain, no gain. All of those philosophies. If you threw that at me right now as a consumer, I wouldn't come to you. Right. So accountability, just like you said, maybe they're going to spend a couple thousand dollars for a treadmill and they're happy that they spend it because they feel like if they bought the treadmill, they're now going to meet a goal. However, what is our biggest problem right now? And not in just physical therapy, but implementation, right? We do things, but we don't implement it. So a customer is looking for accountability and it doesn't matter how much the accountability costs them but you have to hold them accountable every step of the way to helping them achieve their goals. And I know therapists right now that are, you know, doing three to $5,000 a month, primarily selling accountability. I always share the story. Like when we were going to CrossFit, we were paying $250 a month membership. I could have gone to Planet Fitness right down the road for 10 bucks. Why was I paying 250? I have two clinics full of equipment. Why am I paying anything when I could work out at my clinic? Because the $250 fee held me accountable to saying, I spent the money, I got to use what I'm doing. I think one of the greatest disservices, and I have not heard anybody else mention this, is the fact that when insurance does cover the full cost of the experience with the therapist, it devalues. That's what devalues the service more than anything. And so when somebody's not paying, they're like, eh, I'll skip today. I don't feel like getting off the couch. But if they put a thousand dollars on the table and said, I am committed to making myself better. I don't want to be, I always think of Archie Bunker sitting in his chair in the family room. I had a patient today 
wonderful human being, great, great guy. We talked for a long time. I said, what do you do in a day? Like, what's a normal activity level for you? What's going on? He's like, nothing. And I'm just thinking to myself, I just lived 70 years. I've accumulated wealth. I've accumulated knowledge. I've accumulated experience. My next 10 to 20 years should be the best time of my life. It should not be the time that I'm stuck in a chair watching soap operas because I don't have the ability, the physical ability to get out and do anything. You know, the last lap of a mile race should be the fastest lap. But yet so many of our clients are just on the decline at that point. So the accountability, the motivation, the excitement, the joy, that's most of what we're selling. And that's where the real value is. And if we take away the person's ability to pay for that, I think we also take away a component of the accountability that they need to make themselves do it. I know I should eat better. The question is, how do I get myself to want to eat better? You know, that's what we're selling in so much of what we do. I think another devalue is the fact that a doctor has to send you to fix something instead of a consumer saying, hey, I'm done with this. Everything that I've done, Dr. Google and everything else is not working for me. I have to find someone who is going to help me go through this process. If we think we're going to get those clients that a doctor refers you know, it also devalues what we can give to a customer. Absolutely. Seth Godin talks about push versus pull marketing. When you have a patient, like when I want to improve something about myself, when I want to learn something new, when I want to, you know, master a new skill, I'm voraciously finding information. I'm researching, I'm looking stuff up. That's the interesting experience with my YouTube channel. So my YouTube channel is up to like 17,500 subscribers. 1.5 million views over the last year, like it's growing. But what I realize and what I find is that the people that are actively searching for the information and are finding me will do anything to get the information and the answers they need, as opposed to the person who's passively sitting there saying, well, my doctor sent me to therapy. So what do you need me to do? You know, like I don't want a clinic full of that client. I don't have anything to serve that client. It's an injustice for me to try and force that client to do stuff. But if we move into the market of direct-to-consumer, self-pay, expand those areas, we really can serve a hungry audience. If I was going to sell pizza, I don't want to sell pizza anywhere. I want to sell pizza when the bars are letting out and the college students are hungry and they have extra money in their pockets. Like, I want a hungry audience. And so I think the direct-to-consumer, the personal branding, all of that stuff is what brings that audience to you because they're out there looking for you. They just don't, they can't find you. And that's the biggest thing they can't find us. So what would you say to people are a good solution for them for launching a new business with all of the things we have available to us now? Well, I think the first thing is really understanding the business you're in. You know, and so when we're looking at that, we're saying, for me, I know that I serve a very specific clientele. I know that my clients aren't so much coming. Yes, I love to educate. We're all clinicians. We all love to educate. We would be happy to just sit there and talk about people's conditions and help them understand it. So that's a component of what I deliver. But really, I sell peace of mind. Uh I sell the approval to say, look, 
it's going to be okay. I evaluated your shoulder. I understand it hurts. The great news is there's no red flags. The great news is there's nothing harmful or dangerous about the pain you're experiencing. The pain you experience is an experience. That's all. It's like if I bite a pepper and my lips are hot, it hurts, but my lips aren't actually being damaged. So once the sensation of heat goes away, I'm going to be okay. Once the sensation of pain in the shoulder goes away, you're going to be okay. You can still golf and you can still play tennis. That's my niche. That's what I serve for my knee replacement referrals. It's peace of mind. It's look, everything looks good. The swelling is normal. The range of motion is normal. It's okay. We don't have to push things. You're going to get to your goals. And so if I'm going into a new business today, I think the difference is the old model, the old mentality was, I'm going to become a therapist. I'm going to learn all of these amazing skills. And then I'm going to look for people that need my help. Whereas kind of the newer model is, okay, who has a problem? Who has urgency with that problem? And do I have a solution for that problem? You know, so person has their leg cut off, sewn back on, they have real urgency. They have real condition that needs to be treated. I have a solution that I am faithful. Like I believe that I can deliver. If somebody comes to me with 10 years of low back pain history, now you're very different from me. So this is what's interesting about you and I, Mm -hmm. I don't want to treat sciatica. I don't want to treat chronic low back pain. I don't want to treat any of that stuff because for me, I don't have a solution for that. Me telling you it's okay. Your back hurts, but it's nothing dangerous. That's as far as I have. Uh I'm glad to send them to you because you have a real solution for them and you get genuine results. Uh I don't. I'm like, it's okay. (laughs) That's it. So you figure out what you have, you figure out the problem you're solving and you figure out how to do that profitably. You know, that's the other component. We all want to give away our services. We all want to help everyone and we don't want money to be a barrier. I'm no different. I will treat patients for free all day long. The difference between my model and most models is I figured out where the cash is going to come from. I have the cash cow behind my business. I've got plenty of profit coming in from online resources, from real estate, from other things that I'm doing that don't force me to make patient care decisions based on finance. I don't need my patient to sit there for three more minutes to get one more billable unit. Uh If I believe that they're done with today's session, they're done. If I believe they need more than insurance would cover, they get it. There is no financial limitation on what I deliver to my patient because I've got other streams of revenue coming in between digital courses, online content, you know, patient-related income sources and non-patient-related income sources. Wow, lots of stuff here today for, for struggles that they're experiencing, a lot of answers to what they can do. Again, even though the model is not profitable, there are so many things you can do to maintain your happiness, to help a consumer, to take yourself If you want to be a business owner, there's plenty of opportunity for you to do that. And if you want to stay and, you know, see two or three people an hour in an outpatient setting, then that is there for you too. I think just remembering that there are struggles, but there are solutions to the struggles out there as well. And one of those solutions is opening something that will help you be able to do the things that you want to be able to do and enjoy your life again. Before we wrap up, I've been talking about this a little bit more so lately. I think three opportunities that are out there. 
like what you're doing with the stretch programs, right? We've already seen the success uh-huh. in stretch programs, assisted stretching. We see it on the consumer side. We see it on the business owner side. Um, I think there is lots, lots more opportunity for us to leverage the success of that within the clinic. Uh-huh. I think taking that model and applying it to a manual therapy approach. I think providing massage, we'll call it because that's what the consumer is looking for, delivered by a PT or a PTA or a licensed clinician, but doing it in a different manner than what they would typically receive under a plan of care and different than what they would receive in a massage therapy, like a massage envy or something like that. Uh Um, I think there's a huge opportunity there. And then obviously telehealth got introduced and kind of accelerated with COVID. But I think what went unrealized was the fact that everybody was trying to force their normal in-person treatment to a telehealth platform. I do a fair number of paid telephone calls, not telehealth, not even video, just, hey, I'm on the phone. You've got some questions about your condition. You're already getting therapy, but you want somebody else to answer and kind of confirm some of the questions you've had. Clients are more than willing to pay for that. It's not a covered service. It's not skilled therapy in the sense of, under a plan of care. It's just information. It's having a professional in your corner that you can ask and they can give you an unbiased opinion, you know? So moving forward, I mean, those are three super simple cash base. They're not under the regulatory burden of most insurance companies. And I think it really plays to the strengths of the clinician. It frees the clinician to do what we do best. I think we can do anything to be able to help a customer. I agree with you. Well, those are awesome, awesome things. So, Tony, if people are looking for you out there, how would you let them know how to get in touch with you? Sure. The best way is find me on Facebook. I'm under Anthony Maritato. So Anthony's my my real name. I go by Tony. Find my personal profile. It's all profession. It's all there's no personal stuff there. And then if you want to find anything about like my website, you can go to learnmedicarebilling.com. I'm working on putting out more articles and building the blog, but Facebook is probably where I spend most of my time on a daily basis. Cool. I so appreciate you coming on. I tell you, even though we're not that far away from each other, we still don't get to communicate. (laughs) I agree. and, And hang out, but thanks for coming on. I appreciate it and hope you'll come back on again in the future. You got it. Thanks, Kim. joining us today on the Rehab to Wellness Boss podcast, where you, a rehab professional, can start, build, and grow your very own successful wellness cash practice. If you're ready to level up and become a stretch mobility coach, then head on over to our website, www.thestretchmobilitycoach.com. This website will take you through the next steps needed to practice as a stretch mobility coach. Come on over. 